With the return of the NBA season coming fast, The Athletic has launched The Athletic NBA Show, a daily podcast combining some of your favorite basketball voices under one umbrella. David Aldridge, Ethan Strauss, Marcus Thompson, Zach Harper, Sam Amick, Wozni Lambre, Dave Dufour, along with a rotating cast of beat writers from around the league, and of course me, folks. You can catch me on Fridays on Nerder She Wrote. We got the full spectrum, NBA consumption, something for Everybody, every day features a new show covering everything from insider news to cultural issues and deep dives into in-game athletics produced by Jade Hoy. So before things tip off later this month, make sure you subscribe to The Athletics NBA Show, available now wherever you go to get your podcasts. On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I are going to talk about Harden finally making it to the bubble, Russell Westbrook's imminent arrival, we're going to talk about Mike D'Antoni's wrinkles in the offense, and Kelly's talk with Michael Frazier about life in the bubble. If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism, put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream, the MVPs must be his children, they won 22 games in a row, that's a rhythm. Triple double rust, man, I need you to acknowledge, he don't do this for the optics, man, he do this for the rockets. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel, and with me as always is my guy, fresh off vacation, so he's got a lot hey. of rest. Yes, that's exactly what I want. I want a lot of energy from my man. I got pep in my step. I'm back. It's been a week. Has it been a week? Wow, you're, you're too much. I need you to dial it back now. I need it. I was asking for it. Now I asked for too much. I need you to dial it back. That's my guy, Kelly Eco, beat writer for The Athletic, covers the Houston Rockets. Kelly, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Refreshed. It was a good week off. Got to recharge my batteries, and I'm ready for the home stretch. Yeah, what's your uh, vacation like? What what what's, what did you do during the quarantine vacation time? Uh, I went on a hike. You know, went to the the elements, got some good R and R in, caught up on some of my articles I've been reading, and just relax, man. I think I think the biggest thing for for me personally was just to recharge and and get and get kind of revved up for the season because it's going to be a grind the last three months. Yeah, buddy. Better get ready, dude. It's time to get going. And another guy who looks ready, ready to roll in, is James Harden. He arrived in the bubble just this weekend. You know, we saw him on the Zoom press conferences trying to push everybody out today, (laughs) trying to get practice going. It felt like he had somewhere to go, Kelly. He's kind of the guy who wants to get things going. He's anticipating the start of the scrimmages and everything. But yeah, it's, it's good to see him finally in the bubble. You know, the whole talk was whether, you know, Harden and Russ were okay. How are they doing? And when they would get to the bubble, actually. So it's good to see him, you know, in there and practicing. Yeah. And it's, you know, something that we're all kind of excited about, right? You want to see all the stars get in there. We're excited to finally have him here. There was, of course, a little bit of a uh, hiccup, <laughs> you know. Uh, more of a little. <laughs> you know, I mean, so obviously, if you're a Rockets fan, you know by now, he, uh, he came into the bubble wearing a mask that is often attributed to Blue Lives Matter. And that uh, tend to let up a stir, don't you think, Kelly? On a uh, on Twitter, yeah, it was more of, it was more of a stir. We saw even Trey Songs get on the action, you know, calling him a clown. And but honestly, he said it wasn't a political message. I didn't know that that image meant Blue Lives Matter, as did a lot of people. But some people did, and in fairness, they did get offended. And, but it was, and, it was a simple mistake. And, and like, James is not he. James Harden is not part of the Blue Lives Matter movement. He's like no. No, no, not at all. And, you know, I think his explanation for it was actually pretty fair. He said, look, man, it covers my beard. 
and I thought it was pretty cool, not knowing the the actual background of it. So you know, it, we can let that go, folks. You know, it's it's one thing if he's doing that; it's another thing if he's tweeting all sorts of crazy stuff. But he's not even doing that. He he, he just made a simple, yeah, he just made a simple mistake. Simple. Move on. Uh, I don't. None of us believes that's really who he is. We do have one other guy we've been waiting for, and we got news today that uh, Russell Westbrook's coming into the bubble. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni said today he started off the uh, Zoom session by saying that Russ should be getting into Orlando today. So if you're listening to this, he should already be in the bubble. Um, he did say that he he probably won't be good to go for Friday's scrimmage, the first one, just because of like the simple timing issue and, and how he's doing. But ultimately, that decision is up to the medical team and how he's feeling. Um, we also heard from Daniel House and Austin Rivers just about how Russ, you know, because he, he, honestly, he's the most intense guy on the team. The intensity of practices will naturally pick up just by him being there. And he's one of the guys, for me, who's instantly become popular if not the most popular guy on the team just because his attitude is infectious like you see he's able to impact everyone he's around and him coming into the bubble makes things easier a lot from the Rockets on both ends of the floor yeah I mean it's important to get him in I think it's smart to not rush him to try to get him into the uh, scrimmage on Friday we should briefly just mention the Rockets have three scrimmages Friday against the Toronto Raptors Sunday against the Memphis Grizzlies and the 28th against Boston before the whole restart gets going. I don't think there's a reason to rush him. This is one of those things, again, you got to take your time with guys and sort of work it out. I don't think you uh, you push the envelope here. So the good news is he's in the bubble. It's time to get him acclimated to the system. He's obviously going to have to go through some quarantine before he can actually join the team and deal with that process. But it's always good. You just get your guys, get everybody in the field and get them ready to go. I think for me, one thing I want to look at is if you compare it to the beginning of the season when he did come you know, to the Rockets, he didn't have any offseason work done because of the surgery. Now, he had to hit the ground running, you know, in October. I wonder if we'll see kind of a similar impact, you know, him having to have kind of no practice time before the scrimmages start or limited amount of practice time. I want, I want to see how he hits the ground running. It's a little bit harder, I think, in this scenario just because of the nature of having the four-month layoff and everything. Like, it's it's one of those things, and then just a sudden stop and then to start back up right away. I think it's, you know, it, I, I'm not going to expect too much right away. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a little more, little more time. It might take him a couple of these regular season games to really – get back in the flow and that's for everybody for all the guys in that regard before we move on anything interesting in the zooms from the players that you heard besides Harden trying to get everybody into the film room pretty quickly yeah I think it was something interesting from Austin Rivers um talking about how almost 80 percent of their practices have been strictly scrimmages and he says that the intensity is through the roof because everyone realizes you know the urgency and what's at stake I thought that was interesting to see, you know, the guy's collective mindset coming back after four months. Um, but obviously there are th- things you can't do without, you know, your second best player being there. So if Mike wants to install different things in the offense or stuff like that, you need guys there um, to, to carry that out. But I thought it was interesting to see, you know, just how much time is spent scrimmaging apart from film and, and going over defense and stuff like that. I'm going to ask you an unfair question because that's what I like to do to you from time to time. Do we know now with Westbrook in the bubble, do we know if all the Rockets are, are there now or the, the okay, players? Okay, no, no, no. Um, the Rocket, 
Um, Luke and Bamute still isn't um, on that time schedule yet. Okay, that's only, so that, that's the only guy that I know. So of. right now we're still the, the Rockets are still waiting on Luke, which is kind of a big deal considering he hasn't been with them all season. So you know you want to try to get him in whenever safe and possible to to get him acclimated into everything that's going. But let's shift to the Mike D'Antoni portion of the show. You know we've heard it said many times. You know he's putting in new plays. He's he's got new sets that he's wants to throw at the guys and things like that. You know, for me, it was interesting because then in the press conferences, it's been, it's gone from new sets to like, oh, I just got a few wrinkles. You, you, you know, for me, it's different. A set, a new set is a whole different offensive play. A wrinkle is like, we run this all the time, but now you're going to set the screen on this guy instead of that guy. Uh, what are you hearing in terms of the, the talk of the offense? So I, I talked to a player that was in the film session and he said that the wrinkle or new set is more or less based off of what James and Russ already do, but it's adding an added layer to it. So if you look at how they play, most of the time the ball is in James and Russ's hands. But I think an added I think this is interesting. I think an added set or a wrinkle could be, you know, more ball movement, you know, different actions to like a quick hitters. Because if you see how Mike D'Antoni has coached in the past, I think this bubble is gonna show you Mike's old bag. In terms of pace and space, seven seconds or less, quick hitting actions. I think that's kind of the new wrinkle. So I think it might be new to them, but it's all to Mike, if that makes sense. No, that makes that makes perfect sense, you know, because you're right. Like I, everything we have heard is they have been talking about increasing the pace, playing more up-tempo, getting up and down the court a lot faster. You know, I think that exactly plays right into the way D'Antoni has always wanted to play, you know, and his most successful teams were the seven or seconds seven seconds or less sons that's a tough one to say pretty quickly uh i think that's the the whole challenge there and again it's not going to be new for him but it is going to be new to these guys it's not you know listen russ plays a thousand miles per hour regardless i don't think i think it's still going to be Russ is still going to be faster than the <laughs> than even D'Antoni's used to but i think you know the other guys have to get acclimated to it and then the other thing too about this is, and this is a small concern of mine, is, you know, D'Antoni has to worry about the conditioning of these guys. And I think that's where earlier in the, the quarantine and everything they were talking about, they're going to go to a nine-man rotation. I think where that's where a lot of that comes into play because you just don't want to tire these guys out too quickly. I wonder how, you know, to your point, I wonder how much he's going to drill this new set or whatever you want to call it into them, given that you don't really know how they're – or. Being in the bubble for a week or something, you know kind of how their body is right now. But these practices aren't going to be like the game speed at all. So um, it's I'm I'm interested to see how far he's willing to, I guess, hedge his bets in terms of putting that offense in. Because ultimately, at some point, the Rockets are going to do they're going to revert back to their old ways. You know, at some point in the game, it's just it's inevitable. That's you know? who they are. I I don't think you're gonna. <laughs> You can, yeah, you can yeah, increase for, all the ball movement yeah, for three right, quarters. Yeah, yeah for people <laughs> that, that are expecting this Roddy da new offense, no, it's not going to be like that. The Rockets are going to do what they do 95% of the time. The only difference now becomes maybe when plays break down, maybe when guys' legs are getting pretty tired. If you need a stop, if you need a, something, then you might see some of the, the sets. I think his best actions that we've seen come out of timeouts. That's something that he's been known for his whole career, Mike D'Antoni. He's really creative in the in the, in the ATO bag. But as far as like ball movement, stuff like that, I got to see it to believe it first. Yeah, and it's hard to put these things in. It's hard to do it 
on just a regular season. Like that's why you see teams with a new coach, you know, the full training camp and going into the season, you know, takes a while it, 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 to find the rhythm. And you're always just like next year, they're going to be better when they have a f- better understanding of the offense and what the coach is trying to accomplish. And also the coach is going to have a better understanding of his roster having gone through a year. So it's tough to do it on the fly like they're doing here in this scenario with the bubble, with the practices. And I, I think also with how much you're going to stress guys in practices and how far you're going to push them and, you know, when are you going to dial it back and things like that. So this is a tough scenario. So I'm with you on this. This isn't going to be like a revamped offense. I think, you know, and, and with it being wrinkles to me, I think it's just going to be small tweaks here and there. Yeah, I think I think I want to ask you this, though. You as a, as a film guy, as an evaluator of – on the court actions, how would you break down their actions so far? If, if you could break down the Rockets' offense into, let's say, three or four components, what are those three or four components, and where is there room for an added, you know, wrinkle? Well, I think it's here's the thing: it's very simple, but it's also works. So it's not a, a you know something that you have to really make it more complicated. You know, I think your best action is the hard and isolations, right? And you're going into that, and that's. You know, where when you get defenses shifting and sending two guys at him, I think that's why having Russell Westbrook at the wing kind of almost like a uh, release valve. So when you come to double Harden, he's going to find Russ and now Russ is going to attack defenses. And that's the second element of the offense in the second layer. You know, now he gets to attack going downhill. You know, it's a numbers advantage at that point because then it's, you know, four on three because you have two guys on Harden and one guy is going to begin to rotate back. So you have that scenario going through and you have, you know, that's when you have Russ attacking the paint, especially when those those teams that decide to put centers on Russ and hang back because then it just makes it an easier runway for him to attack. You know, and then, of course, the the third aspect of it and the, and the whole thing and Probably the most important layer is the other guys hitting those threes, you know, the kickouts to threes. And it's not just Russ. It's, you know, hitting Eric Gordon and Eric Gordon attacking late and finding Tucker in the corner, finding Austin in the corner, finding Covington. You know, it's it's all of they haven't those been actions. that good. They haven't good because they haven't been that great of a three point shooting team this season. So no, you know that's the fallacy about the Rockets to me is like everybody's like, oh, they're such a great three point shooting team. I said no, they're just such a high volume three point shooting team that you know when they their percentage isn't great, but they just make a lot. You know, and and because they've taken so many. I mean, we've have how many games have we had where they had like almost fifty attempts? <laughs> you know, you know, it's like okay, it's just a high volume situation. But those guys have to hit shots in the playoffs and the other thing another wrinkle i'd like to see a little bit more is russ cutting when he's Harden an excellent has the ball. cutter I, I think yeah if you ever watch they've done it maybe less than 10 times this season but there's, there's a play that the rockets have where harden will have the ball on the wing and russ just cut back door like along right, the baseline, on the baseline. yeah yeah and and it, it's so effective but they don't do it enough i think they, that's kind of what mike sees and he he wants to do more of but yeah, and I think you also have another guy that's pretty smart in cutting. I think Covington's a pretty good cutter and, and has a good enough, smart enough IQ. I think Austin can do it. I think you got a lot of guys that can play in that area. And, and I think that's an underdeveloped part of the offense that I think the Rockets can take advantage of, even in this scenario where it's, you know, you have a shortened time, but just explaining to guys like, look, there are opportunities to cut. Go for it. Cut. Cut to the rim, cut to the basket, make it easier for for Russ and make it easier for James to be able to find you. So I think there's hopefully we're going to see more of that because I think that opens up the offense a lot more. Yeah, and, and even though I think that's one thing that players 
on the team should realize that even though they do play a lot of isolation, there are opportunities for you to involve yourself. You know, cutting it, it causes the defense to to have to pay attention. You know, got to react. They got to react. Too often, if you go back and watch that Clippers game, no one was moving. The blowout loss. No one was moving. It was just James at the top of the key, Russ at the top of the key, and everyone was just stationary. And that's easy to defend if you have guys causing different actions, off-ball actions. Defense has to pay attention, and that opens up things for everyone else. So I think just having guys move is a huge part of what Mike should be able to do in Orlando. Yeah, and I think that's just an important thing. I want to touch on one other thing before we go. You had a chance to talk to a friend of the show, Michael Frazier, about life in the bubble. You know, and I, I believe you have a piece coming out. By the time you listen to this, the piece should already be out up on the Athletic Houston. But yeah, I talked to Mike over the weekend just to kind of get a lay of the land on kind of what actually goes through a typical day. You know, these players' lives are pretty much structured out for the most part. They wake up, you know, they have options for food. You get a hot plate or a cold, cold plate of different kinds of foods for breakfast, and then you have your practice. They have a lot of downtime. In between time, there's a lot of fishing. Fishing has become really popular in the bubble. There's golf. There's cornhole. I think it was called cornhole. We covered this last time, Kelly. You should know the name by now. It's cornhole. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we covered this in the last cornhole, podcast. Cornhole, um, there's <laughs> swimming. But I think one of the interesting parts of what he talked to me about was their actual practices and what goes on. They have two a days. The second practice is optional. It's more of a shoot around. But the first part, you know, they they go through a long film session. They're going over the new things they want to do in the offense, like Mike talked about. Um, and then they get into the scrimmages and whatnot. There's a weight room that they've converted in the hotel. People come in. Jeff Green was there today. Chris Clemens was there today with um, Daniel House. Uh, just going through that every day. Players' lives are pretty pretty structured now. So it was good to hear from him how they spend their time in quarantine. Yeah, and folks, just make sure, if you're not already, <clears throat> subscribe to The Athletic. Go to theathletic.com slash Google for a 30-day free trial. This way you can get all of Kelly's stuff. And I'm telling you, with the restart happening, you're going to want to jump in on this. And and once you do that, when your trial runs out, you're going to want to subscribe. I guarantee it. It's a great place. Great writers across the, across the plane, across the whole uh, site every sport, whatever you want, and you're never going to miss out on another Kelly Eco Bomb. Kelly, anything else you want to touch on? Uh, Just be on the lookout for my uh, defensive piece, too. It's, it's this is the defensive world. piece I've heard about for about six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and you've mentioned on it, it on the podcast nonstop. I've been working on it, man. It means a lot to me. Yeah, then you took a vacation. <laughs> well, sorry. for I Kelly... <laughs> <laughs> you're sorry that you're not sorry. Is that is that what we're gonna do now? Yeah, I'm um, back, I, man. Yeah, man. Sometimes I wish you stayed on vacation. Okay, uh, for Kelly Eco, for our new producer Mike Smeltz, for me Mo Dekeel, we out.